The views on this podcast belong uniquely and solely to the mouths from which they emanate. This is Jarrett, and I'm looking forward to you hearing our special guest today. But before we begin, I do want to mention a few things, a little inside baseball, as they say, about some progress that we're making on the production of this podcast. As you've probably been able to tell over the first few episodes, we've had a little bit of an audio problem. It basically comes down to the fact that we haven't had experience very good equipment and we've been using um, an adequate but you know inexpensive microphone also the room that I've been recording in we realized was a little echoey and hollow and it was causing some problems but you know what we're in this for the long haul and so we are constantly looking at making improvements and I have some exciting news so it looks like I'll be going tomorrow to talk to a gentleman about using an actual professional studio for the production of this podcast going forward. That, to me, and hopefully to you, is very exciting because these the, the podcast will begin to sound better and it will be much easier to listen to. I'll let you know how that goes, but that's exciting. So, I know I've asked for your patience before, and I ask for it one more time in the coming episodes things are going to start getting a lot better. So, stick with us. Um, Second, I am really excited about the progress that we have made in the podcast. Uh, Looking over some of our statistics and analytics, it seems that every guest that we've interviewed has gotten more downloads and more listens than the previous guest. So that means we're growing. As a matter of fact, the last episode that we did in one week, has gotten more downloads than any of the other episodes the entire time that they've been released. So, we're growing, and we're getting out there. We're getting the news out there, but we obviously want to continue to grow. So, please rate and review us on Apple iTunes, and let the world know what we're doing. Say good things about us, and give us a five-star review, and also... Please make sure to send your feedback to podcast at weeklylinguist.com because I really do want to know what we could do better and what you're liking and what you're not liking and maybe some things that you would like to hear going forward. Suggestions for interviews, suggestions for guests, for suggestions for topics, whatever you'd like to hear going forward or you think would be interesting. Look, if you're a linguist listening out there, feel free to send us a message and say, hey, let's talk. I would think that'd be great. Alright, so I'm really excited about today's episode because I'm interviewing a young lady who loves languages. And this young lady is, she, she has a penchant, a talent for learning them. Um, she has a, a very bright future ahead of her in linguistics. And uh, I'm really excited about being able to talk to her. Uh, Dina Stankovic runs a podcast about Slavic languages. So as our podcast is talking about languages around the world. Hers is specifically related to Slavic languages. 
And there'll be a link for it in the show notes. And I've listened to it, and I'm telling you, it's really interesting. She does a good job. Her, her information is well thought through, and it's well uh, organized, and um, it's very informative. I, I've learned a lot about uh, Slavic languages listening to her podcast, so I'm a subscriber. Anyway, that's just about it for the intro. Uh, to recap, we're going to be making significant progress on the quality of the podcast. Also, uh, thank you for listening and for sharing and uh, downloading. Uh, we're actually growing. And we're excited about that. So, without further ado, Miss Dina Stankovich. Hi, and uh, welcome to the next episode of the Weekly Linguist Podcast. My name is Jarrett, and today we are excited to welcome Miss Dina Stankovich, who is a student of Slavic languages. And uh, her mother tongue is Serbian, but she speaks several others very well, including obviously English. Dina runs a podcast dedicated to Slavic languages, and I've listened to it, and it's extremely fascinating. I've learned some stuff that I had no idea languages could do, which I thought was really cool, and hopefully we'll get into some of that. She is also a a student, and she works with a conference that is coming up this year, it looks like. So, got a few things to ask you about, but uh, Dina, why don't you start by introducing yourself? Hello, um, and thank you for having me uh, on your podcast. Yeah, um, a couple of things. Um, I study Russian. I don't study all of the Slavic languages. I just study Russian. But I'm interested in all of the Slavic languages. You mean you mean like officially you're studying Russian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Officially at the university, it's, well, it's a little, it was a little bit of Czech too, but um no, not anymore. Uh, just Russian. And the conference that is coming up, yeah, I'm um, this year I'm organizing it in Vienna because I live in Vienna. I study in Vienna. And it's um, Stutz. It originated in Germany. So it's a Studentische Tagung der Sprachwissenschaft. So the student, um, student conference um, for linguistics. And um, it was... It is always on um, German-speaking area. Well, one time it was in in um, in uh, Netherlands, but otherwise it's always um, in Germany or I think it was one time was in Switzerland as well. But this year it's the first time we're doing it in Austria, and I'm super excited because it's the uh, it's actually a, an opportunity for a lot of different people. Um, from all around the world to to come together because I think we're going to do it online as well as they did it last year because of this pandemic and everything. But one of the things that is one of the things that is really cool with the online format is that actually a lot of people that wouldn't have the opportunity to attend attended. And um, that's why I want oh, yeah. to actually um, to do it online because it is it is actually an opportunity for also for undergraduate students. I'm undergraduate student um, to represent their work and um, to, to, to collect the first experience or, you know, getting out there and talking about their research. So, yeah, that's going to be this year in November in Vienna. They have it also um, in May. So it's, it's every six months. It's in every semester. Um, the first coming up is this year in May in Leipzig, 
Uh, and I think they're also going to do it online. They didn't. They haven't decided yet. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to be online. I mean, considering the situation and everything, I think it's going to be online. So yeah, that's um, um, a little bit about the, the conference. Well, tell me about the, uh, and I'll, I'm going to go ahead and make sure to tell the audience that everything that we talk about today, I will, as, as I typically do, I will put up on the show notes on the website for this particular episode. So you'll have links to all of this stuff that, she, that we talk about and um, more information as well as anything that Dina mentions in the Serbian language. We will put that onto the show notes so that you can read that as well. But uh, so tell us a little bit about your, your podcast. Your podcast is dedicated to Slavic languages. And I just want to say, I've listened to it and I think it's fascinating. I mean, like one of the things that I remember specifically, and it was one of the initial episodes where you talked about one of the languages that uses the verb to be as an auxiliary for the future. And I was just like, this is so cool. This is really cool. So actually, Dina, this is one of the reasons that I wanted to do this podcast because I wanted to, I wanted to talk about specific languages around the world. And, uh, so far we're moving in that direction. We've been talking more generally in our episodes, but this is going to be one of the very first episodes that we're really talking specifically about a language or a family of languages. But start by telling us a little bit about the podcast that you do. And, um, and I want to make sure to, to push that podcast because it's really good. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, my podcast is called Slav Switzerland. It's a um, combination of the word Slavic, Slav, and Zdravstvitsje, which is a um, Russian word for hello. And um, yeah, I, I, I focus on the Slavic languages because um, I know a thing or two about the Slavic languages from my personal experience. And then the similarities and the differences um, that I encounter really fascinate me. And I've actually never found, um, I think you and I talked about that last time, that all of the podcasts that are um, linguistic podcasts are actually concentrating on English specifically. And then, you know, all of just a couple of examples from this major languages, Chinese, Russian, Arabic. Um, but I, I haven't found the podcast that actually deals with this languages um that i'm interested in so i decided to to make one my own um on my own so yes um uh, my podcast actually i talk with linguists linguists that are professors that are teaching slavic languages um last week i did an interview with the professor mark l greenberg from the university of kansas um, and he is, um, he has done, um, his PhDs in, in the nineties, um, about the Slovene dialect, um, which is really fascinating because I mean, Slovenia itself is a really small country. And I think not a lot of Americans, um, have ever heard how Slovene, official Slovene language sounds. Um, now, and he, 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 he did his PhD in, in a dialect of this language. So yeah, I'm really happy to, to be able to talk with all these people because mm, 
a lot of these people have done so much great things in the field of linguistics, but it is all in the form of, I mean, most of it is in a form of papers. I mean, I myself sometimes don't understand everything and I study languages. And I can imagine how it is for people that are not in that field to be reading all of these papers, they will be all confused. So my point is to make it interesting, make it understandable, even for the people who are not in that field, even for the people who don't know a lot about linguistics, not a lot about languages, but want to learn something new on their way to work or or something like that. So yeah. Yeah, and you've done a, a really good job of it. And one of the re things that I like about it is, you know, like, let's say, if I wanted to do some research, or if I wanted to do some reading or some learning about a specific language of the world, it, there's a sense in which you've taken all of that research and you've put it together. And so I can just go to you and I can listen to the podcast if I wanted to know about those languages. And it's, it's, it's interesting. And you've done a, you know, you, you do a service to your reader because you've done a lot of the work beforehand, but let's talk about Serbian. Now you are Serbian. So this is your, your mother tongue, or as I like to say, your heart language, right? I'm looking here at the map. That's a really nice expression. Um, which, yeah, I, I, yeah, I've, I've always liked the heart language, you know, because there's so much that, that, it's it, it there's a very there's very much an emotional attachment attachment to to your language you know and um yeah um i'm looking at the map here let's see if you if for our audience i'll give you a general idea of where where we're talking about if you know that it if you know italy and if you go across the the sea to greece uh most people know where italy and greece are so if you, if from greece if you go north through Macedonia, then you're going to go right into Serbia. So to the east of Serbia would be Romania and Bulgaria. To the west of Serbia would be Bosnia and Herzegovina. Uh, a little bit of Croatia, Montenegro, and Albania. So this is a uh, an area rich, rich, rich with historical developments and, and, and history, language cultivations and language developments and people movements across the world, uh, the, the area. Um, so yeah, you know, even if you go a little bit further, you're not far from Turkey. And, um, so yeah, so this is a, this is a culturally rich area. So tell us a little bit about the, the history of the Serbian language and kind of situate it in time and place for us for a moment. Yeah. So, um, Serbian is a part of um, South Slavic languages. So um, Slavic languages for your listeners and that might not know, Slavic languages are divided into three major groups. So West, East and South Slavic languages. And Serbian is along with Croatian, Bosnian, We'll get into that later. Um, Macedonian, Bulgarian, um, and Slovene. Um, they make a group of South Slavic languages. And one of the interesting things about Serbian is um, Serbian is the only Slavic languages that 
officially uses both Latin and Cyrillic script. So um, none of the countries from the Slavic group use, I mean, they use it, I don't know, in, in on the internet, you know, when it's when it's easier for you to to write in, in Latin script, but officially in official documents, in official um, everyday things, Serbia is the only country that allows you to use both. And we are, I mean, Bosnia kind of does it too, but that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other um, reason for that. But we actually do it in the whole country, um, in every part of the country. And we, we use, actively use actually both of the scripts. So, um, yeah. So are you saying like if there's a, if there's a, um, like a road sign or an announcement or some type of public announcement that it would be written with both scripts? No. I mean, it can be, um, it can be like that, but actually it's either, so it's, it either one of, it could be either or it can, yeah, okay. it can be either or. Um, and it's allowed to um, use both of them, for example. Um, there is this movement that actually prioritized Cyrillic script um, because it's a Slavic script, but officially it is uh, allowed to use both of them. Okay, that's cool. That's interesting. When it comes to the history of, of Serbian, um, that is... Um, um, a complicated one. We were um, so Serbia today. Serbia was um, part of Ottoman Empire for almost five hundred years. So that can be sensed in the language. That can also be seen in the language. Um, for example, all of the <laughs> I have this theory. I mean, it's probably not true. Um, but I have this, like a system in my head, um, where if I find a word in Serbian that is only like that in Serbian, but all, but in all other Slavic languages, it's something else that it's a Turkish word. <laughs> and okay. I've, I've done that a couple of times and it actually, it was actually true. For example, the word for rain is um, has this old Slavic root um, in all of other Slavic languages. For example, in Slovenian, it's um, uh, duz. Uh, in Russian, is duz. So you can you can you can see that they are cognates. Um, mm -hmm. But um, Serbian says kisha. And that has nothing whatsoever to do with dojd or duz or anything like that. So yeah, it, it there are s several theories, but one of them is that um, this is a, a Turkish word. And this Turkish influence is really interesting to me because you can see it in just every, everyday everyday things. And th this is the fact, the thing that um, that is actually always um, like that with language contact, this everyday things that you use, you know, the people had to communicate and they weren't talking about the moon or, I don't know, 
rocket science. Um, they were talking about, you know, a pillow, um, spoon, um, table, things like that, you know. Um, so all of those things are in Serbian. Um, actually, I mean, most of them are from Turkish origin. And also a lot of um, names of the cities or um, mountains or rivers or things like that also have some um, something um, to do with, with the Turkish language. Well, this is interesting because a, a, a lot of our listeners will recognize the idea that even the, the, the one language that had the most influence on English was French. But it, it, it tends to have languages that have influences on other languages tend to do so in certain semantic domains. And um, so because the particular relationship, the particular dynamics of, of contact don't happen in every domain of life. And so you have these words that come into languages and they, um, I, I, you know, you'll find that you have like common household words that tend to be borrowed as opposed to, let's say, religious words and things like this. So I think that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, with the with English, it is mostly the artsy stuff and, and things like that, that that came from from French, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. the things that are a little bit high class, let's say, like that. Um, yeah, but with Turkish and, and Serbian, um, it's this everyday household work, um, some professions as well. For example, um, the lawyer um, is in Serbian, it's advokat, and it's this actually the same. I think the word is the same in today's Turkish, even though the Turkish that was spoken in Ottoman Empire and the Turkish that is spoken today are basically two different languages because um i mean i'm just going to say that really quick um turkish that was spoken in the ottoman empire is that was filled with all of these arabic words arabic words um and um then when the um ottoman empire fell apart they decided to use turkish words instead to to like clear the language from all of these um, foreign influences. So most of the words that came into Serbian and that stayed in in Serbian language are from that Ottoman Empire. So they might not be hundred percent Turkish. That's also interesting because um, they came through t- Turkish, but they might not be hundred percent Turkish because of this major just, influence that Arabic had on 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 Turkish language. Well, this is what we call linguistic reclamation. Um, uh, Joyce Bennett and I have was talking about that recently, where the the Maya, uh, in certain instances, are reclaiming some of their Mayan words from Spanish. So yeah, so that's that that's that's really cool. Well, let me ask you this: um, you and I had a discussion uh, once when we were introducing ourselves about this idea of the Serbian language and how it relates to. Let me pull up my notes here and how it relates to this idea of also calling it Serbo-Croatian. So if somebody in the audience were to go to Google, they would find out, they would find this statement 
that Serbian is the standardized variety of the Serbo-Croatian language used mostly by Serbs. But if I remember from our conversation, you have a little bit of a more developed opinion on the difference between Serbian and Serbo-Croatian. Uh, talk about that for a second. Yeah, so this is um, this is a thing that I like to call politics. <laughs> and um, Sure, 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 absolutely. Serbo-Croatian is, for me, from my point of view, is a pluricentric language um, that, of course, um, has its its varieties. Um, but basically, um, during the Yugoslavia uh, period, the language was called Serbo-Croatian. And my parents learned Serbo-Croatian in school, and they just that they get by just fine, you know, living in Serbia. Um, so th the thing is that um, after the split of Yugoslavia in the 1991, um, yeah, Yugoslavian wars, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to get into politics, but basically um, people wanted to um, make um, a difference between you know, these two countries. And one of the things that they wanted to separate is also the language. So they decided to call them Serbian and Croatian and even Bosnian. So now we have Serbian, Croatian and Bosnian and even Montenegrin, which is totally fine. I mean, I don't have anything against that. It's just that if we all can communicate without without any misunderstandings, without obstacles, we totally understand each other. I don't think you can call this two separate languages. I mean, we have, for example, um, Swiss German, which is whew, totally... Um, unintelligible to people from Austria, for example, when people from Switzerland come to Austria, I had a couple of people that actually, I mean, they learned the standard German um, in school and they just, you know, they switch to standard German because they know they, they, I won't understand them even, even if I were bo born in Austria, which I'm not, but the, the native German speakers wouldn't understand them just because um, the difference is so big. And those are all considered one language. So Swiss German is considered a dialect of, of a German language. But then on the other hand, we have this Serbian, Croatian, Bosnian, Montenegrin group that is divided into four different languages where we we can communicate with each other. I mean, the... I, I'm, I'm not going to throw random statistics now, but I can say that over 80% of the vocabulary is, is the same. Of course, every, every dialect has its own words, has its, even within the Serbian language itself, you have different um, words depending on the dialect, different, um, different uh, sentence constructions, you have all sorts of, of differences, but that doesn't make them um, different languages. So, 
Yes, this this is a really, I mean, a really complicated topic that a lot of people might have a different opinion on, and I'm totally fine with it. It's just that from my point of view, um, if we're able and we are able to communicate with each other um, without the problem, then it's 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 not a different language. It's just a, a variety of one yeah. language. Yeah, this idea of where you draw the line between a language and a dialect is something that we've discussed often already, even on this young podcast. And um, it's a it's a question that's very difficult to answer because it comes from a lot of different perspectives. But let's let's go ahead and focus on Serbian. So what I've asked you to do is do we're going to talk about the language specifically. So. This was the plan as we discussed. We were going to talk about it in the four stages or basically the, the traditional components of linguistics. So the sounds of the language, so the, the phonetics and the phonology, the morphology, the syntax, and what was the last one? I think that's it. I guess that's with the four, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was the, the, the sounds, the more, well, the phonetics, the phonology, the morphology, and the syntax. And then, um, well, the other one I had in my head was the lexicon. So anyway, so let's, um, let's talk about this because you said that, that Serbian does some very interesting things with some interesting sounds that, uh, let's say our listeners might not be familiar with. Yeah. Well, Serbian has a lot of, uh, sounds that might not be familiar to, to your listeners. For example, sh, sh, z. I don't know. I mean, some people can't even hear the difference. Um, then it's ch. Um, yeah, those are the the. the then it's huh, j j. Um, yeah, so those are all the weird sounds. Wait, those that was two different sounds. Those were two different sounds. Yes. Okay, do that again. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna be quiet here for a second. Do that again. I'm listening closely. Go ahead. J j. Oh wow. For example, Jack, which is a, a student, and then Jack, which is um a bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's cool. I did I I I I'd have to listen even harder. I admit to you that's a very difficult distinction. Yeah, and one of the problems is that um I mean, I'm going to to get back to server creation now. One of the things that um, is actually a problem that a lot of people in Croatia, for example, don't make this um, difference between those sounds. They can't hear it. They can, even though they're in their standard language, they can't hear the difference. I mean, I, um, I've I've met a lot of people that actually um, say "kucha," even though it's "kucha" with the soft "ch." Um, mm -hmm. they say kucha, even though it's their mother tongue, they, they communicate perfectly fine, but they can't hear the difference. So, um, but that's not a thing in, in, in Serbian. Serbians, um, have it pretty clear, pretty, they, they distinguish all of these sounds from one another. And, um, one of the really cool things that Serbian actually, I mean, Serbian language is really cool. <laughs> it's not just because it's my mother tongue. It's really, really cool. Um, because it's so simplified. When the when the language is uh, was constructed in 19th century, 
Um, it was actually made um, for illiterate, Ill illiterate people. So it was actually made for people who are not for for people who are not able to write, for people who are not able to speak properly and get all this so for ordinary people who who don't want to get into you know this um double um double consonants one next to each other um or you know we write like this and we say it like that no there's so every sound every letter has its sound every letter has one sound and that's it even if you don't speak the language you're going to be able to read what's written there just because every letter has only represents only one sound and um yeah we lost all of these um so we did a lot of um uh, a lot of changes since the since the 19th century of course but um one of the really cool things is that we lost um we have this assimilation even in the writing. So uh, assimilation of the voiced and um, unvoiced consonants. Um, so for example, if you have, I'm going to give um, an example that's the same in um, other Slavic languages, so you will um, you will get the point. Um, for example, we have a word pod piece because it's pod is under and piece is writing. Since the and p are next to each other, and it's really hard to say pod piece, you actually say pot piece. We did this um, assimilation of the consonants, and we say pot piece, and we actually write pot piece. Whereas in Slovene, for example, they say pot piece, but they write pot de piece. So um, we did this kind of simplification i would say it like that um to write everything the way it, it is pronounced and i think that's um um one of the one of the really um cool things that makes it easy for the foreigners as well because you don't have to think oh my god is it um you know i hear uh to here but is it the is it you know um is it pronounced like this or is it pronounced like that no there is no such thing so Every sound is pronounced the same way always, and every letter has only only one sound. So that's a that's a pretty cool thing. So what you're saying is that the Serbian orthography represents even the allophones of the sounds, um, which is unique. I, in my experience, at least, you typically don't find that um, that you actually change the spelling of the word based on the allophones created by the phonology of those two sounds being together. That's pretty cool. Yes. I mean, um, it makes it, it makes it kind of, you know, readable also for, for ordinary people, let's say it like that. Um, for, for people that are back in 19th century, didn't have a clue on how to write and speak properly. Um, yeah. They, they, they kind of, because all of the other languages, all of the other Slavic languages, I mean, the ones that I um, know, for example, um, Czech, Russian, Slovene, all of the standard languages, when they were forming standard languages, they formed it for the, um, 
for high class people. They formed it for literate people. They, this is true. Uh, they they standardize it according to to the you know norms that would that were set by people who were extraordinary for that time, and ninety percent of the population was not like that. Um, so th- this is where it, where it comes to this you know difference between the the written language even in Slavic languages, as I stated with with Slovene. Um, it's just that the, the, what we write and what we speak is so much different, partially because the standard language was formed for for the extraordinary people of that time. And Serbian is not. Yeah, this is um this is the same thing that happened in French, right? Because French, the standard French, le, what they call le bon usage, was basically created because it was that was the dialect of the ruling elite, so it became the standard. And, uh, I, I find what you're saying very fascinating, um, that, that the, that the language was, was created in order to be understood by, uh, for lack of a better term, like you said, the common folk. So I, I think that's pretty cool. I think that's pretty cool. Closing, remember to check out the show notes at weeklylinguist.com. There you will find further information about this episode, like more information about the guest, select bibliography, any resources mentioned in this episode. You can also subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform, like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and others. As the saying goes, if you enjoyed the podcast, tell a friend. If you didn't, tell us. You can tell a friend by rating us five stars on iTunes and by writing a glowing endorsement in the reviews. Don't forget to subscribe when you're done. And follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Weekly Linguist. So for any feedback, positive or critical, write to us at podcast at weeklylinguist.com. Tell us what you think, what we're doing well, what we can do better, or even suggest a topic for an upcoming episode.